the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 13. Today I'm going to sit down and talk with Christopher Russell. He is a scholarship student on the spring 2016 Wilderness Bushcraft semester, which we are right in the thick of. Uh, it's week two, day 10. Um, we've had some cold weather up here, but the sun's been shining and everybody right now is working on carving canoe paddles with hand tools, but I'm going to go grab him and come back and we're just going to have a discussion about his experience and he's got a couple questions for me as well. A lot of people ask how they can keep up with what we're doing here at the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. And the best way to do it is to join our email newsletter list. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Tim Smith here, another episode of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. I am sitting here in the guide shack at the field school with uh, my new good friend, Christopher Russell, who came all the way from St. Louis, Missouri to be here in the metropolis of Massaris, Maine. Uh, and we're in the middle of week two of the spring 2016 Wilderness Bushcraft semester. Um, and we're just going to have a little discussion about how things have been going. And hopefully if you're out there listening in podcast land, you find this interesting. And if not, it's always easy to shut this stuff off. It's just a click of a button. Ain't that true? Uh, yeah, so I guess I'd, if it's all the same to you, I'd like to just start out talking about uh, where Jack Mountain started. How did, you know, as far back as you want to go, what got you going? So a really big thing in my life, I grew up on this small lake in New Hampshire. Uh -huh. And one of my first memories is a, um, there's a little natural history museum on the other side of town, right? Called the Libby Museum. And I remember being a little kid in there, and there's an old remains of a dugout canoe there. And I remember my dad telling me they found this like 200 yards or from where we live. And the way that they used to do the dugout canoes in central New England around these acidic lakes, they grow enormous white pine trees. So back in the day, the natives would cut down the pine using probably a stone axe and fire, and it would take them a couple of days, and they'd drop it into the lake. And then they would use fire and stone tools again to make a big dugout canoe. And unlike birch bark canoes, they never left the lake they were built on, right? So you would use it on the lake, and then when it starts to get cold and ice is about to come in, you'd sink it and fill it up with rocks. It would sit on the bottom, and the water acts as a preservative. And then in the spring, you know, you'd come back and pull the rocks out, float it up, and use it all season again. So, you know, this was... 200 yards from where I grew up and you know where I still live in New Hampshire um, some kids were swimming at a summer camp and they say there's this funny shaped log on the bottom they brought it up and so I'm four years old and I'm like well who made that and you know where are they now and how did they live and so you know for me as a very young child I was just fascinated by right. these people who were here before uh, before we were here before you know white people were running around and right in North America and it's just always been an interest of mine and you know as a little kid I just couldn't read enough about mountain men and voyagers and, and things like that yeah. and um, you know I was just fortunate to sort of stumble into a way to make a living based on my research interest it's funny that you say that because one of my earliest memories of knowing that I enjoyed stuff like this was uh, this book 
that my mom made us, me and my brothers and sisters read, homeschooling us, but uh, Paddle to the Sea. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-huh. It's just like this, it's just a way of learning the Mississippi, but it's uh, this story built around the Mississippi um, about a little Native American boy who carves a wooden man in a canoe and drops it in the river. Okay. And it's all him floating down, so that's... Yeah, I it's haven't just, read the book. I mean, it's a little but kid's thing, but... Bill Mason, the famous uh, Canadian canoe uh, guy slash filmmaker, made a film uh, based on that called Paddle to the Sea, and I think the kid threw the little the little yeah. mini birch canoe in Lake Superior, yep. and it, it went around out the St. Lawrence and ended up like in Nova Scotia or something. So I saw that, but I never yeah. read the book. No, I have. It's before I left, uh, you know, the last day that I was at my parents house my mom had found uh, a little salt dough version of the canoe that i had that she had had me build and i don't know where she found it but it's in my car right now oh awesome just, yeah but yeah so uh continue with that um what you know at what because po- i know you studied anthropology and then education so at what point did the light bulb go off to join those two things into a school like this um you know it was it was I was definitely motivated to to work outdoors. So I finished my undergraduate degree in anthropology, mm-hmm. bought a $500 travel trailer, dragged it up to Alaska, lived in it for about a year. Knew I wanted to live rurally, but I got tired of washing windows and didn't want to have a career pounding nails at that point. So I said, there's a small, there's a school in every small town in America. So I went back to school, uh, got a master's in education, figuring that I would end up teaching high school. Um, right. And then when I finished that, you know, it took me, it was a pretty good deal. It only took a year. When I finished that, I started just running outdoor education programs and trips and things, figuring, yeah, I don't have any wife or kids at this point. I'll, I'll get a real job next year. And now that was 18 years ago. So yeah. I just sort of, you know, this started growing a little bit at a time. And right. when we started doing it, you know, there were lots of people, not unlike now, doing short programs. And um, my friend Dan Fisher and I ran the first... Uh, well, we were camped, winter camped on a, in a wall tent along the main Canadian border out near Coburn Gore. And at the time he had people staying at his farm who were kind of like apprentices and they were all on a different schedule. And so we said, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if everybody was on the same schedule, we could run it just like a semester. And we were so stupid, we didn't know how much work that would be at the time (laughs) or how long it would take to, to get it really rolling. So we said, yeah, let's try it. So you know, we just jumped into running semester course kind of right off the bat. And and now this is semester number 35 that we're currently in. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's that, that beautiful thing of sort of bumbling into something that you, you, you don't know. It won't work. No one told you won't. Uh, no one told you it won't work. So right. you go ahead and try anyway. So did you, um, when you started it, did it start out with the idea of it being a... Um, you know, I saw a lot of books in the library about the non-traditional learning approach where it's kind of the mix of actively doing things with your hands versus just reading and lecturing. Did it start out that way or did you originally intend it to be more lecture-based? Or Nope. I've always had, after sitting through college and graduate school, yeah. had a bit of an aversion to sitting through a lecture. Amen. And <laughs> essentially, I don't think that, and the data shows that that's, people don't learn well right. that way. And it's something, I think we use it as a fallback in our, in our educational culture that, you know, if nothing else, stand in front of people and talk at them. And that's teaching and learning right there. But, 
you know, when you really look at it, it's just that's just killing time. Right. And I think so much of education has just become killing time and filling in squares as opposed to, you know, what what are the intended learning outcomes that you want to get out of it? So, for example, with us here using axes, I mean, I can talk at people all day about using it. But if the intended learning outcome is for them to be able to use it safely and powerfully. Right. They're never going to get that from a lecture. Right. You know, the, the lecture and sort of the hands-on bit is to, to get them out using it because that's where the real learning is going to take place. Right. So for me, it's always been, and you know, my educational uh, training was in regular education, right? Not experiential ed, but that's really what kind of the focus of, of what we do here is, is way more experiential. I think just because, maybe just because I see the flaws in, in yeah. you know, someone standing at you and... And talking at you, um, and I've re- you know I've read a ton of books along the way. Yeah. And as I like to explain it, that I went to school for a year, year and a half, trying to figure out really good ways of teaching and learning. And then for the last eighteen years, I've had my little educational laboratory, aka the school. You know, <laughs> where you sort of try those ideas. Happy out. to give be a guinea pig. Yeah. Well, you try them out and yeah, you see exactly. what works, yeah. right? And I think no, that's it's a lot of fun. It's that experimentation where you kind of get the greatest advances. Right. So, Christopher, you are the first recipient of the Wilderness Bushcraft Semester Scholarship that is new this year in 2016. Um, so, uh, I guess, could you could you tell me how you found out about it? Yeah, I. Um, so I went, you know, I went to school for political science and then worked in that field for a little while, and it kind of got burned out. And I originally just started looking into programs that were almost like vacations, um, just something to kind of just like get away from it all for a little while. Um, and then, uh, just a random Google search. I found this and I had planned on coming last year and then ended up staying there and working for some, for a little longer. And then when I got back in touch, um, in setting it up, uh, your wife mentioned the scholarship and that seemed to fit everything that I was working towards and it was uh not nearly as painful as some of the other things I've applied for before but oh. it was yeah it was it was very easy we're um, gonna have to make that way more painful though. oh yeah that, that's <laughs> yeah send send me a bear in the mail next time and yep. let me deal with if Thumbs I can deal with it I get the scholarship how about that um yeah it was you know and you guys were very helpful in getting me set up with all that kind of stuff and it was yeah it was good and I just like I said, it was just a random happenstance. And and the, the other part of it was the appeal of it being in Maine. Because I came up here a long time ago on a road trip with my grandparents. And uh, we went to Acadia. And I loved the place and always kind of wanted to go back. Acadia is a national park down uh, on the coast. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful if you're not familiar it's with Maine. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And and just to set up the dichotomy of my uh, my little brother living in Tampa as far south as he could and me going as far north just to get away from each other. Nice. That may have been some of the appeal as well. So we're in the middle of week two. I believe we're at day 10. And I'm just curious what your initial impressions were um, when you arrived here at the field school. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a little bit colder than St. Louis, but it was... Um, it was good. It was, I kind of envisioned something a little less structured, um, but I'm glad that there is some kind of structure because it keeps me, keeps 
keeps gives me a docket to work on every day, which is good because otherwise I'd probably just wander off into the woods and no one would ever find me again. But uh, <laughs> but I like the. Uh, but no, I like I like having the you know the schedule every day of what we're gonna work on, and then having the time to practice the stuff that we've learned over over the course of that day, or you know other stuff that we learned a few days before. So based on that initial impression, um, now that we're ten days into it, was that on the ball or uh, sort of? Different? It it uh you know it. it because we're because we're outdoors and having to kind of adapt what we're doing each day to you know the weather, uh, river conditions, that kind of stuff. It's also kind of important that you know everybody here can kind of adapt to whatever works out that day, and that that I kind of like that as well because I you know the last few years worked very schedule regulated with school and with work, and so it's kind of nice to have to kind of. Not fly by the seat of your pants, but be able to kind of think quickly and adapt to whatever is coming next. I like that a lot. Cool, yeah. For those of you in podcast land, it's late April here in Aroostook County, Maine. And today the high temperature, I believe, is 39 degrees Fahrenheit. And we're still waiting kind of for spring to arrive. So it's a, it can be a little bit challenging. It's definitely taxing on the body when you're chilled all the time. Amen. Um, so a lot of people are running out of gas early in the day but we've had this beautiful stretch of weather where the sun won't quit shining and it hasn't rained uh so somehow still cold though I'm, yeah. I'm not really used to that one yeah it's like uh, almost like winter weather but yeah but it'll warm up soon the beauty of it staying cold this time of year is that we get a few more days without the bugs yeah i'll take that that's for sure i'm also really enjoying uh clear skies like when at night comes out and the stars come out that's i haven't seen that in a long time so it's been a lot of fun Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's just about all we've got for you today. Um, but just wanted to... Oh, we do have more. Yeah, what do we have? Uh, you, you had mentioned talking about uh, goals for the program. And, oh, yeah. And so, how to, for other people to get involved and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm curious what your, what your specific goals for, yeah, for this program are. Well, I'd like to get... Um, you know, the main guide certification at some point. So I, you know, as much as I can learn here to put towards that would be great. And, and that, then, for those in podcast land, that's a state license that uh, it allows you to accept some form of remuneration for your services in the field. And that's, remuneration is a fancy word for payment, but that's right. what it says in the state statute that, you know, uh, acknowledges that profession right. and license. It's, that's how they yeah. define it. I'd like to do that, and then I'd also um, would very much like to get more people doing this kind of thing. Um, I, you know, I mentioned that I, you know, Outward Bound, which is a company that's located all over the country, um, works with inner city kids and takes them out outdoors, and they don't necessarily do anything as taxing as what we're doing. But I think that that's a good step, especially having lived in Baltimore and you know been around some of those kids that aren't exactly. I don't think they'd know what to do. I don't think they know which end of an axe to use if they saw one. So mm-hmm. I think it would be good to get them out and just something different at least. And then, yeah, that's kind of my goal is to get more people doing stuff outside and living this kind of sustainable lifestyle rather than, you know, spending their weekends going to Walmart and 
that kind of thing. Do you think they'd be better off spending their weekdays at Walmart then? Is that the... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Weekdays at Walmart, weekends outside as opposed to reverse. Does Walmart? Does Walmart's traffic ever dive down? Is there a good time to do go they to Walmart? Ever close? I don't think they do. Actually, that's not true. Driving up here, uh, driving from Acadia uh, towards Banger at like 2 in the morning driving up, I saw Walmart and the parking lot was completely empty and it felt like a sign of the end times. Wow. Yeah, it was a little odd. A lot of them do close. That's I, I've, that's the first one I've ever seen. Yeah. I think one in Prescott closes. Yeah? I think they close at 11 or something. You know, those Amish. when we were up Those there. Amish aren't out there riding. They're not parking their horse and buggies there from, from midnight to 5 a.m. No, I'm sure that they're not. Those horses don't have... That guy was... Uh, the one we saw was tearing down the road. He was having a good time. Oh, yeah. I always yell at him. Like, slow down! I just think it's fun for me and my my truck to yell at somebody at Amish being pulled by a horse. Fair enough. Slow down. Crazy teenagers. <laughs> yeah, right? Because the Amish have such crazy... Te- well, I guess they kind of do, but... Rumspringer. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess they kind of do have crazy teenagers. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. <coughs> Excellent. So... What projects have you been working on here so far? Uh, well, we did uh, the one-match fire, which for me has been about a four-match fire until yesterday, and then I got it. Um, that's kind of been the big one for me. Fire has always been something I kind of took for granted, camping. Um, so, so we're doing fire with matches and... Uh, feather sticks. And bow drills? We started bow drills, with... yes. We started on the bow drills. Have you I've, had success with I've that? I've gotten yet? smoke and a little bit of char. But every time I do it, I just get so excited that I just mess up the form of it and it, I ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm working on it. It'll it's take good a- to remember what the old saying about Bodril Fires is where there's smoke, there's smoke. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. There's, don't get so excited and lift the thing up and lose all your friction, which is what I've been doing. Uh, but yeah, it's been fun and it's, it, I've never tried to do that before, so it's a fun new thing to learn how to do. And you're carving a canoe paddle? I am. I'm carving a canoe paddle, and it's... Uh, using a full wood shop of power tools? No, no. We're using uh, the draw knife, which is... I don't know if I mentioned to you, that's my favorite tool I've ever bought. Like, I, I used it on a bunch of stuff back home. Awesome. And then had a cheap one, and then went out and bought a nice one, because it was just wonder. I love that thing. And then, yeah, and now I'm getting down to the, the nitty-gritty of it, and doing some of the detail work, and that's fun. And then I'm... Making you your canoe prowl oh, with a giant with a giant dragon on it. Yeah, we'll give you, make you let you raid uh, Ashland. <laughs> yeah, you got we'll, the axe and you've got the canoe prowl. You may as well, right? We'll go down and to the quick stop too and and uh, get ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Rest as Vikings. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I got yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> so how is the um, so far? Can you just give me a little bit of reflection on your experience with the? The duties that we're having you do as the scholarship recipient and how taxing has it been? Is it keeping you up at night? Um, you know, are we making you, are we forcing you to, to produce 800 uh, miniature leather wallets for us <laughs> to ship overseas via eBay? Well, legally, I'm not allowed to say that you're forcing me to, <laughs> but uh, no, they, uh, no, it's been really easy. They've, uh, you know, a lot of, like I said, a you're lot of the stuff. You're supposed to say that it's hard. It, it's not. My fingers hurt, Tim. <laughs> um, no, it's been, uh, it's been, pretty easy a lot of the stuff is just um almost like being a record keeper for the for the course which is something i would probably do anyway just with writing for my site and with what, I take, what is your site my site is uh primitive addictions.com p-r-i-m-i-t-i-v-e a-d-d-i-c-t-i-o-n-s.com um 
and it's uh yeah and it originally started as kind of a personal thing and now it's just where i write about this kind of stuff and it's turning into something i didn't expect it to but i like it um but yeah i'd be so the stuff you guys are having me do i'd be doing anyway so it's it almost feels it almost feels what is the what is the term free money um because it's you know it's a chance for me to do something that i really enjoy um and the only thing it costs me is doing something else that i enjoy so i don't really have a problem with it in the slightest um awesome yeah so people can, if they go to primitiveaddictions.com, they can chase you down on the usual social media suspects. Yes, they can. It's got a Facebook. I have a Twitter. Uh, I never use it, except every once in a while. I don't know why, but I just really like to send all caps things to uh, Cal Ripken Jr., who's a baseball player from Baltimore. Excellent. I don't know why. It's usually just nonsense. You're, but you're stalking him. Exactly. exactly. You're stalking him on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. He's a... Uh, <laughs> No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when that started, but now it hasn't stopped. Has he ever written you back? No. Yeah. No way he does his own Twitter. Like, oh, no way, he's right? He's paying somebody big bucks. No to, way. Uh, yeah. That's great. No, it's a good time. But yeah, Facebook and then the website are pretty much where I'm at. Um, and Instagram. And a lot of the pictures that you guys are going to see from this course are going up on there. And I'm trying to post one or two a day if I can, if it's a good shot. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that maybe wraps it up we're just about we made a pot of tea because it's the afternoon we're both feeling a little low and yeah now the caffeine's hit me and i'm starting to get all wired and jumpy and (laughs) probably won't be making sense a whole lot longer so maybe we'll we'll wrap this thing up and put it in a can and but we'll probably be back doing a couple more podcasts and it might be interesting for you guys out there in podcast land to uh to hear christopher's reflections and reactions as we continue through the course through different different phases yeah up to this point we've been at the field school working hard but you know we're about to start the expeditionary yeah parts of the course and you know we'll be out in the field and the beauty is that all the hardware that we have travels with us so maybe we'll do podcasts from the riverside and stuff like that i'm i'm just looking forward to watching you kill someone and throw them in the river for the first time (laughs) i feel like that's a growing experience i haven't had to see it for the first time because it wouldn't be the first time i did it well that's what i mean i'm excited (laughs) i'm excited to experience it myself (laughs) <laughs> we have a joke around here that when people break camp rules the way that we deal with it is to kill them and throw them in the river and then they're Canada's problem but it's not real no. <laughs> nature takes all your garbage away exactly. and cleans it for yeah. you it's always good to have a sense of humor right? yeah exactly well listen thank you for listening everybody and we'll be back at you uh, at some point yeah soon ETA Soon. That's uh, I like non-specific timetables. Yeah, so I agree. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.